Thank you. You can be seated. Well, you always kind of wrestle what to do on Labor Day weekend. And so uh, I thought I would just kind of share something I love. I love a good action-adventure movie, don't you? Man, I, I like it where there's just a lot of tussling, a lot of fighting, a lot of things blowing up. Man, I just love it. I'm not a chick flick guy, and this worries me with my granddaughter coming. I love good action adventure movie. So earlier this year, I saw this movie called The Avengers. How many saw it? Oh, great. So you're going to know what I'm talking about in this movie called The Avengers. So I figured since it'd be a slow weekend for us and folks in Hollywood, you may want to get your cameras ready because we went to Hollywood. I happened to know some people and, uh, and I got most of the Avengers cast to show up with us here today. All right. And so I'm going to introduce them one by one. What I want you to do is I want you to give them a great, big, huge Kirby welcome. And then I'll tell you a little bit about their, about their, about their superhuman strength and all that kind of stuff. All right? You got it? By the way, if you got a cell phone, I'm telling you, you may want to get your cameras ready. You know, tweet this, Twitter it, Facebook it, Pinterest it. Whatever else there's out there to do, this is like get the thing ready because all the way, ladies and gentlemen, from Hollywood, California, we have none other. Would you give a nice warm welcome for the Iron Man, ladies and gentlemen, the Iron Man. Iron Man, if you'll step right up. Now, because, because of Hollywood restrictions, they're not allowed to act or say any part of their show, but, but he was gracious enough to come and, and share with us. I don't know if you know much about Iron Man, for those of you didn't need, who didn't see the movie. Uh, he, this is his, in the movie, he's Tony Stark, who's a billionaire industrialist, ingenious playboy, and uh, he suffers this chest injury, and he makes his kind of own artificial heart, which gives him uh, increased powers, and he creates a suit of armor that saves his life. It's really cool, and he later uses that suit of armor to protect the world as Iron Man. He possesses the power, this powered armor, that gives him sh superhuman strength, durability, he can fly, and I don't know if you saw it when he comes out, Easy now, Iron Man. Give him one of those things, you know, from the, from the weapons. Go ahead and give him one, but don't blow him away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Iron Man. Also, also in the movie was another superhero. Her name is Natasha Romanoff. Would you give it up, ladies and gentlemen, for the Black Widow right over here. The Black Widow. Now this superhero, this superhero is a highly trained spy that works for S.H.I.E.L.D. She is a so Soviet-trained agent, expert in martial arts, aren't you? You are a top-notch sniper. That means with your guns, you could shoot the flea off of somebody's head on the back row, right? You could get the dandruff right? You could get the sweat beads right off of their forehead, right? She is that, she is that good. She has this uh, biotechnology suit, ladies, that you may want because as long as she wears it, she is guaranteed to never age, never wrinkle, never grow old. Wouldn't you like to have that deal, huh? 
she wears these bracelets called the widow's bite. And if you get stung by the little pellets and, and uh, armor that's in that, you will, you will just not do well. She's also a top notch investigator. That means you can make anybody tell you anything you want them to say. Is that right? Ladies and gentlemen, a nice round of applause for the Black Widow. Now we had to work hard to get this gentleman. He's very busy these days. Standing up for America, land of the free, home of the brave. That's right. You know who I'm talking about. Give it up for Captain America. Captain America. Now, Captain America is a unique hero. He's the only one that does not possess supernatural uh, abilities as such until, and I want to get this right, Captain, because I, I, I know you're proud of this, because you had this great heart, and then they gave you this super soldier serum of Vitaray treatment that transformed you from a frail young man to this powerful fighting machine that you are now, right? Absolutely. Do you know that Captain America can bench press 1,200 pounds? He can run a mile in 73 seconds. He knows how to think in military and, and strategic. Matter of fact, you went in and rescued, what, 105, 110 prisoners of war, didn't you? Single-handedly, all by yourself. It was absolutely incredible. He's got this shield. Dude, this shield. You don't want to mess with a man's shield. No, you, you mess with the man's shield, he will take you out. He can flick that thing better than a Frisbee. It will go take your head off and come back, and he won't even think twice about it. You don't mess with Captain America. He, uh, he has the shield. By the way, your, the shield is, is high, is nigh indestructible. I want to make sure I get it right. Where's my notes? That's it exactly. Thank you very much. A little Avenger trivia going on today. Yes. Little Captain America lovers. Matter of fact, even though he lacks superhuman strength, he is the only one worthy enough, or one of the few worthy enough, to pick up Thor's hammer. He has integrity, don't you? You have honesty. You stand for truth, justice, and the American way. Ladies and gentlemen, Captain America! Well, there's uh, another gentleman back there that, that we got, brought him, not just from Hollywood, brought him from another planet. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, would you give a great big Kirby welcome to Thor! Now, Thor is based on, uh, on uh, Norse the uh, mythology, and like all Asgardians, Thor is not truly immortal, but he relies on the periodic consumption of the golden apples of Idum to sustain and extend his lifespan, which to this date is a, this guy is really, really, really old. He's physically the strongest of all the Asgardians. He's able to lift weight in excess of 30 tons. Can I have a, ooh, ooh, yeah, that's pretty good. 
Thor possesses a very high resistance to physical injury that approaches invulnerability. In fact, you hurt him and his body just rejuvenates itself and uh, which adds to his invulnerability. He also possesses keen senses that allows him to track objects faster than light, hear cries from the other side of other planets, and he has the ability to travel through time. He's got great stamina. He can also summon the elements, lightning, rain, wind, snow. Please keep the snow away this winter, all right? And... uh, and he is uh, a skilled combatant. And, uh, and you, you talk about Captain America's shield, Black Widow's sniper and her guns. You talk about Iron Man and his weaponry. Thor just has one. He's got this hammer. But dude, you don't mess with the hammer. I mean, this hammer, I don't even want to say but you just don't want Thor to mess with you on the hammer. Got it? By the way, these people will be available after church to have your picture taken with them. They will be able to sign your bulletin for autographs. But we got one other gentleman, and I say gentleman loosely. This was, uh, I, I didn't know if we would be able to do this or not. He's gigantic. He's green. Ladies and gentlemen, the Hulk! The Hulk! The Hulk! The Hulk! (laughs) This gigantic, green, irradiated, mutant, humanoid monster, he has incredible strength. And he has an inability, obviously, to control his rage. He, uh, he is Dr. Bruce Banner, and he transformed into the Hulk after the whole gamma ray thing. You know all about that. He's got powerful legs that allow him to leap from the, from the ground a, across continents. And, uh, and he has sufficient superhuman speed to match Thor. This guy is a fighting machine. I'm not standing next to the Hulk because the dude is green. You know what I'm saying? Ladies and gentlemen, would you give a great big round of applause for the Avengers? Now, they're going to stay here for just another moment, snap your pictures, and let me just tell you the plot of the movie. And I'm going to give it to you as quickly as I can. If you have not seen the movie, you're going to hear Greek for the next two minutes, all right? The Asgardian Loki encounters the other, the leader of an extraterrestrial race known as the... Shidari? Is that how you say it? Sounds good. They're foreigners, it won't matter. In exchange for retrieving the Terrasect which is a powerful energy source of unknown potential. The other promises Loki, Thor's kind of half-brother, an army of Cheddaries, which he can dominate, subjugate, and one day rule Earth. Nick Fury, the director of the espionage agency S.H.I.E.L.D., in response to this attack, initiates the Avenger Initiative. 
And he says this in the movie, and it's a great line. And he says, there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people so when we needed them, they could fight the battles that they, that we never could. Ladies and gentlemen, one final time, would you give them a standing ovation, the Avengers! Thank you guys. I'll see you in just a little bit. Go ahead. I'm glad Nick Fury, thank you, you can be seated unless you want to give me a standing ovation. Uh, Nick Fury, there was your opportunity, people, right there to have church done in three minutes. No. You got to ask for it. It's no good. All right? The line in the movie says, there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people so that when we needed them, they could fight the battles that we never could. Do you know that's not a new concept? God in heaven had that same idea in mind when he created mankind. When he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross and raise, die on the cross for the sins of the world and then raise again on the third day and then Jesus passed that mission, that battle onto you and me. You, you see, because what angels could not do, Jesus got a group of remarkable people together so that when the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God needed them, we could win battles that angels could never do, infused by the Holy Spirit of God. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. This is like an awesome, awesome message. Bible 2,000 years ago says that we have the ability and the talent to change the world. And the challenge before us, man, it's huge. And so let's look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 stresses the fact that if we're going to do it, and one of the main subplots of this, of the whole Avengers movie, is that they were basically five or six, and I, I know I left out one or two, but they were five or six superheroes, kind of this conglomeration of people, superheroes, that had never worked together before. And that was the problem. They were trying to defeat the enemy on their own. They wouldn't collaborate they wouldn't dream, they wouldn't plan, they wouldn't strategize, they wouldn't do anything together. In the first part of the movie, it was just this guy and just this guy and just this guy. And the enemy was too big for just one person. But when they joined forces, when they hooked up, when they all got on the same page, the tide of the battle began to turn. I'm telling you, I think Romans chapter 12 gives us something more valuable than a little movie clip. Romans chapter 12 lets us know that when God's people, using the talent, the ability, and the spiritual giftedness that God has given them, when we use that for God's purposes and God's kingdom, then whatever is in front of us will not defeat us because the Bible says about his church that upon this rock, and I think that's Jesus, 
Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so what you and I have to do is work to get on the same page. And so what you have in Romans chapter 1, chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 is one of the greatest declarations of the entire Bible. There's three things to do. Offer your body, don't be conformed, and then be transformed. Look at the text. Therefore I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You say, wait a minute, I thought following Don and singing and, and the praise band and the praise team and singing, I thought that was worship. Hmm. He didn't mention anything about a drum kit, did he? Didn't mention anything about a bass guitar, did he? No, what he talked about was you offering your body and saying, God, here I am, use me. And then verse 2 says, but be not conformed any longer to the pattern of the world. The pattern of this world says life is all about me. It's what I want. It's my body. It's my life. It's my choice. It's my this. It's my that. And I will do whatever I want to because it's my, 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 my. And we live these isolated lives, even as believers, cut off from godly relationships that God intended for us to have and to work together, to band together, so that together we're stronger than we would ever be on our own. So he says, don't be conformed to the, world's, to the pattern of this world any longer. Don't let the world cram you into its mold. Don't let it force you into its thinking. Keep reading, but be transformed. Be transformed. It is caterpillar to, uh, from caterpillar to butterfly. Transformation. Be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, if that verse tells us anything, it tells us that God has designed us to serve in the kingdom so that we might know his will and do his will. He, or the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says that we're his workmanship created unto or for in other words, he created us, we're his craftsmanship for the intended purpose of doing good works together. It's in the plural. God does not want us to stand and fight alone. He talks about bearing one another's burdens, encouraging one another, all those kind of things, so that we stand together, find our place of service and ministry in the kingdom, and we work together. So if we're going to do that, then there's three things that I just kind of want to throw out to you that you got to have. Number one, you got to have a right attitude. Look at verse 3. If you're going to find your place in the kingdom, lock arms with other brothers and sisters in Christ, you've got to have the right attitude. If you watch the movies Avengers, first part of the movie, they didn't have the right attitude. Second part, they did a little better. The issue of serving God with a proper attitude is not only important in church, but it'll carry over to everything you do in life. Let me tell you, your attitude 
is not only something you properly attend to in church, but in every area of your life. Listen to what it says. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith. If you have your Bible, underline that phrase, the measure of faith, God, circle that, and underline has given you. That's the key. The measure of faith that God has given you. Now, there are two Two extremes in this verse that we're kind of warned against so that we might have the proper attitude. The one attitude is that we have an overinflated view of ourselves. We've all seen those kind of people, haven't they? Haven't we? They, they run around in church and they think they're the, the answer man and answer woman and they want to do it all and, and you come to them and They'll put out and they'll produce and they'll let you know just how good they are and how good they've been doing and what's going on and they'll let you know the, the latest war story. I mean, they, they just have this overinflated view of self. And I'll be honest, when I first started out preaching ever how many hundreds of years ago it was now, I fell into this overinflated view of myself. Until I realized one day that when I die, as I watched my friend die, that the next week they would get a pulpit committee and they would begin the whole search process. I, you know, as, as much as I love you and as much as you love me, if I die here of a heart attack, that would really be a service killer, wouldn't it? But if I die right here of a heart attack, you know what you're going to do next Sunday? You're going to come to church. We're going to praise, we're going to worship, we're going to sing, we're going to lift up our voices. People are going to invite people to come to church. Jeff Caldwell is still going to preach. We're going to preach God's word. We're going to proclaim God's truth because that's who we are. That's what we do. You say, well, you'll be dead. No, 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 I won't be dead, people. I will be in heaven. My problems are over. You will still be struggling. And I'm not going to feel sorry for you at all. You know what I will tell you? Is that Kirby Church will go on. Got the idea? Nobody is so big that you cannot be replaced. Amen? But the other end of the spectrum is this. The other end of the spectrum is I've got nothing to offer the kingdom. There's nothing that I can do. And that is an out and out lie. And if you believe that, that you have nothing to offer, you are not listening to the Holy Spirit, you are listening to the devil's lie. The Bible tells us that God, remember, God with the measure of faith, he has given you. I believe that when you got saved, that a, a multitude of things happened. You were, you were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You were adopted into the family of God. You were justified. You were sanctified in, in, in those moments. You, this divine adoption took place where you were ransomed from the marketplace of sin and set squarely in the family of God. Your name was written down in the Lamb's book of life. The blood of Jesus covered your sins and the Holy Spirit moved into your heart. And as the Holy Spirit moved into your heart, the Holy Spirit gave you at least one spiritual gift. 
to use to work together so that we can win the battle. And I'm telling you, the battle we have is to change the world. That's the battle. And if you just wait and let me do it all, boy, it is going to be a short fight. But if we all do our part, you say, well, I can't do much. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us in Luke 14 that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we're told to think so as to have sound judgment in according with the measure of the faith God has given you. There are some in this room that God has given many talents and many abilities to. Don't you wish you could play the piano like Don? Amen? I don't even know how to turn it on. I was going to play the one, two songs. I know two songs I was going to play. Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah. It's in the sound booth. Now he's putting the pressure on. I just completely forgot my song. I tell it to Jesus. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. And I'm going to tell Jesus I'm not going to play it right now. But you know, not only to play it, but then to sing like that guy. Doesn't that just make you want to, He's got more talent in his pinky than I got in my whole body. Doesn't he? You can amen there. I know he does. It's not going to hurt my feelings. And sometimes you just go, man, why can't I sing like that? Because God doesn't need you to sing like that. But whatever it is that you do, God needs for you to do it according to the measure of faith he's given you to do. It's incredible what it takes to put on a Sunday morning service around here. Man, it, it, it takes people to order the papers and print the bulletins and get the announcements in, and people to fold the bulletin, people to pass out the bulletin, people to take up the offering, people to greet you, make you feel welcome, people to kind of help direct and with children's ministry and tot spot and, and nursery and toddler and, and to teach kindergarten, first, second grade, third, fourth grade, fifth, and sixth grade, and then and flip-flop as they do down there and teach junior church and, and teach your kids spiritual truth and spiritual knowledge and, and all biblically based. And, and I'm telling you, it takes a lot of people to make Sunday morning work. Man, with what we're doing right now, it takes sound people and light people and, and computer people and tech people and, and people who speak another language that I do not ever in my life want to learn. Here's the language, computer. Right now we got guys who are working trying to interface our our firewall, our internet, our something, and our phone system. They they look at me and go, you want to know how we do it? I go, no. That's not the measure of my faith. I'd get in the way. I just pulled a plug because I thought the color of the plug was pretty. Whatever God has given you to do. You see, some of you are good with children. You should be in children's ministry. Some of you are wonderful and delightful with toddlers and infants. You need to be in tot spot ministry. Some of you like to administrate and, and have those gifts and talents and abilities. And I'm telling you, whatever your gift is, you use it. 
to the measure of faith that God's given you. Jesus gave a parable in Matthew, I think it's Matthew chapter 25. And, and it's the, the parable of the, of the talents. And back in Jesus' day, they were, if you were wealthy, you had a house here and a house there. And as you would travel from city to city or lakeside to oceanside or the metropolitan city of Jerusalem, you would have a home in each of those locations and you would leave a steward in charge of your home to act as the owner of the home would when the owner is not there. And so one day the owner of the home left and he had three stewards and he gave one guy five talents or five pieces of money and he gave another guy uh, two and he gave uh, another guy one. I think those are the right numbers. But anyway, he gave one guy five, one guy two, and one guy one. He, he didn't want the guy that he gave one to get a hundred talents. He just wanted him to get one more. The guy that he gave two, he didn't expect him to get 200 talents. He just wanted him to get two more. The guy that had five it, what, the guy with two wasn't jealous and the guy with one wasn't jealous. They, they, God, the steward, God just gives you what the church, what the body of Christ needs. And if you don't use it, then there's a gap in God's plan. Does that make sense? I'll give you a great, I, I just, I, this service is full of great examples. J2. How many of you ate at J2's tailgate party during vacation Bible school? Do you know that is one of the single most effective way that the pastoral staff connects with new people that Kirby Church does? And what do they do? They fry hamburgers, zucchini, chili, Lisa makes my favorite popcorn, and they fly that ridiculous Michigan flag. And honestly, people, I wanted the Big Ten to whip up on the SEC last night so bad, but you guys gave me nothing to cheer for, you know? Brutal. I almost did a funeral sermon today. <laughs> Amy Jean's happy. The measure of faith God has given you. Now, here's the sad truth. I don't know if it's sad. There's some of you in this room, you're a one-talent person. And you're busy looking at the two-talent guy and the five-talent guy, and you're whining and complaining. You ought to praise God. Because that one talent is a difference maker. It's just your attitude about your talents, abilities, and spiritual giftedness are all wrong. You know, if the serving team didn't come in at about an hour, sometimes an hour and 15 to an hour and a half earlier than the rest of us does, you know this whole thing would just kind of come to a screeching halt. Please understand whether you're a five-talent guy, a two-talent guy, a one-talent guy, you use your talents to the advancement of the kingdom of God. We work together. Let me just draw your attention to verses 4 and 5. Because not everybody has the same talent, and that's cool. For by grace, verse 4 says, for by just as each of us has one body and many members, in other words, you got ear, eyes, head, brain, kneecaps, elbow, wrist bones, and all that kind of stuff. Not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the other. Underline that. Each member belongs to all the other. 
I believe I have part of the gift of teaching and pastoral and, and, and those kind of things. I don't keep that. That is not my gift. That is a gift that God has given the church and allows me to exercise that gift in the church setting. It is not my gift. I can't hoard it. It's the gift to the church that God allows me to exercise. That's how we all each belong to the other. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, we have many different gifts according, back up to verse 3, same language, to the grace given us, to the measure of faith given us by God. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in, and I just left off the end of verse 6. So you got to go to your Bible. In proportion to his faith. Prophesying is a foretelling of God's word. And it's a foretelling of the, of the future. We believe in foretelling. What thus saith the word of the Lord. Rightly preaching it. And rightly teaching it. You know you can look at your own body. And see how important unity and diversity are. Because if every part of your body was a thumb, you would look pretty thummy, wouldn't you? If everybody was the back of the elbow, and for me, that is one of the ugliest parts of the human body. You know that little thing right back there? There is no way to make it look pretty. Is there? No. People wear long sleeves. Cover that thing up. Now it may not bother you, but I'm glad that we are not all the back side of the, the elbow. Matter of fact, you have many different parts. Parts that carry oxygen. Parts that expand and contract so that, that muscles work. You, you have a skeletal system. You, you have eyes that see and an iris and, and all of that adjusts to lights and you, you have an arm that can throw a, a piece of trash into the trash can that can, that can quickly calculate trajectory <laughs> with algebra and with some physical science tapped into it that you're not even aware of. Your body is fearfully and wonderfully made but if it was all the same if all you were were a nose, you'd just be a big old booger, wouldn't you? That's a bad joke. I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> we're united, but we're different. Let me, let me give you one final one here because I want to I quickly kind of wrap it up. Everybody has to exercise their gift. Look at verse 7 and 8. Look at verse 7 and 8. Let me back up to verse 6, because really that's the, that's the ramp up into verse 7 and 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it in the proportion of his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. By the way, the idea is get out of his way and don't let anybody stand in your way. Serve. Serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. And by the way, you can say men or women here. If it is encouraging, let him or her encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. See, here's the bottom line. 
is that you have to exercise your gift. You guys know I like statistics. Let me bust out two statistics on you. Statistic number one, this, these statistics are about five years old around uh, 2007, 2008. They did a survey uh, church-wide. They, they, they surveyed, I don't know, about 2,000 to 2,500 believers in a variety of churches, all evangelical, which would be in the camp that we would fall in. And they said that 10% 10% of those who claim to be active members serve in the church. Isn't that startling? That one got me fired up until I read the next statistic. The next, the next statistic said that 50% of all members that they surveyed said that they had no intention of ever serving in the church. They had no Desire to partner with others. All, all I'm simply saying is if you're part of that 50%, you have clearly misunderstood at least this section of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, and you have misunderstood a good many portions, many other portions of the Bible. Matter of fact, you have misunderstood Jesus' ministry entirely. Jesus said that he came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for all, a ransom for many. That God, one of the highest joys you have in life is banding together with brothers and sisters in Christ, using your gift according to the measure of grace God has given you to be a part of doing something bigger than yourself, to make a difference in this world, to make a difference in the lives of others, that doesn't happen when you fly alone. That happens when we work together. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes for just a moment? And I want you to pray with me. Father, I pray that you help us to understand Lord, that there's a cause greater than the fun we had poking at the...